This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Adam Urban talks about the loss of God. Can someone achieve happiness without God? Can someone be virtuous without God? Well, let's find out. Adam is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. Adam begins by talking about those who practice no religion. 50% of millennial Catholics now claim no religious identity. And for every one person who joins our church, six are leaving. Um, And those are just a few of the statistics that are, are coming out right now. Um, from things like Pew Research. And so it was really evident to me in college that people were either choosing their faith or really just walking away from it. Um, And there's very good evidence that when young people walk away from their faith, they usually never return. There is an idea out there that, you know, college students will leave the faith. And then when they get married and they have kids, um, it was thought that they would come back Um, But that really hasn't been the case. The trends aren't showing that. And so I started to, like, delve into the question a little bit. And, I mean, there's many reasons why people lose sight of God. Um, But I think the, the three most prominent reasons would be just like this technological age. You know, we've never had technology more readily available to us. And we've, we've kind of mastered our environments. And the more you master your environment, the more uh, you're going to probably seduce yourself into thinking you have the total power. Um, and so with the rise of technology, I don't think it's any surprise that there's been this, this loss of faith. Um, so that was like a really prominent uh, one that I experienced in college firsthand, because, you know, a lot of my classmates um, were wrestling with these thoughts and were leaving the, the religious affiliation of their childhood and it's not just Catholics, it was, you know, evangelical Protestants um, as well. And so I think it's pretty evident that society is losing sight of God, and I think you can see this all around in our educational system, in our political discourse, etc. It's just this kind of this general apathy towards anything transcendent, anything of a higher order. And so I think it, it could be, uh, you know, very dangerous We're talking this afternoon with Adam Urban on the loss of God and prudence and just how society has lost sight of God. It's really, um, we look at that. You talked about one of the things, Adam, I think that uh, really stands out. You know, we talk about the nuns, and we're, of course, not talking about the ones that wear the habits, but the N-O-N-E-S, and how those numbers grow. And and, and I think, if I understand right, one of the largest groups out there right now, as far as when you compare to other religions and other beliefs, and the fact that there is no uh, real care about God with that group. Let's talk a little bit about how science has played a role in the loss of God. Yeah. Well, I think, as I said, I think science is probably the largest factor. You know, in that um, short bio that you read, I worked, in, I worked for the Diocese of Dodge City for two years before entering the seminary here. And I had the great privilege of working with a lot of young people. And truly, one of the, the most asked questions I got was, is 
religion is our faith compatible with science? And there's just this, this growing skepticism that it is not compatible, that, that only what is revealed through like the scientific method can be taken as reliable. And of course, like the rise of technology has really encouraged this. And like all great, all great lies, there's a lot of truth in the, uh, the information and the truth that science brings to our world. Um, so like the scientific method has made our world much better. It is a reliable method of um, information, but it's not the only method of information. Um, so we can actually know things that, you know, that we are not learning from the scientific method. Um, and science is mostly concerned with um, like how things work. And so even if you knew everything about science, which would truly be remarkable, you wouldn't necessarily know what makes life beautiful or what gives your life meaning or what it means to love someone or what it means to be hurt. See, science doesn't really answer those questions. And so science starts from this position that we believe the world to be reliable and we can gain information from it. But there are more foundational ideas than science, and those would be like your philosophical ideas. Um, and so this idea that science and faith don't go together is really contrary to the church. And it, it's just really contrary to the ability of how we know things, if that makes sense. Our guest is Adam Urban. And uh, Adam, of course, currently in a seminary uh, for the diocesan call to the priesthood for the Dodger City Diocese. And he is talking about the loss of God and prudence. And we, you just talked a little bit, Adam, about how science has played a role in the loss of God is science a disproof of God? No, it would it'd actually be the other way around. Um, so, like, science can actually strengthen the arguments um, for the proof of God. Um, so, as I said, like, science, science knows the world by use of the scientific method. Um, so, like, okay, let's say I'm, I'm here in Colorado, and, you know, let's say we want to run a scientific study on you know, are the Rocky Mountains still getting taller or are they shrinking in size? Well, we would start with the hypothesis and then we would, we would collect data. We would collect data and then, you know, we would, after we collected that data, we would try to come to a conclusion that's reliable with the data. And so the scientific scientism would say that the scientific method this idea of we're going to make a hypothesis and then we're going to run data and test to come to a conclusion. If that's the only reliable way we know the world, well, we didn't run the scientific method on the scientific method to find out that that's the only reliable way we understand the world. So it, it kind of, the scientific method is not self-sufficient in itself to explain itself. There has to be other explanations of the world. And so it is with, like, the proof of God. You know, many people would say that um, the senses, like the senses are all that can be trusted. 
Well, when we prove God, like when Aquinas would prove God, he was using the same reasoning that you would reason through like a geometric proof. So even though it's not scientific, it doesn't mean it's not irrational. And so science, the, the more you really delve into it, I think it, it only strengthens the proof of God. Yeah, and there was a lot of Christian scientists. You know, many of the main ideas of, of uh, the science world were brought about by great Christian thinkers. Um, so they're clearly compatible. So where do we see this? We, you know, we talk about God and science, and we know that it's been talked about. Where do we see this in society? Share your thoughts on that. Well, one, one area it really comes up in is, so for anything science doesn't explain, many people will say that Christians have simply just inserted God. So for any idea that we don't yet know the scientific answer to, the, the secular society will say, well, that's where Christians get God. And so this is kind of like, it, it's called the God of the gaps idea. So wherever there's a gap in our knowledge, we've just inserted God. And, you know, this, is, this thinking is actually even prevalent among some Christian groups, uh, not Catholic. And so that's been a big factor. Um, we, we haven't really had an articulate answer for that. A lot of people don't know how to articulate an answer for, for that idea that we only believe in God for the things we don't understand. But also what's really contributed to this loss of God is this misrepresentation of who God really is. And I believe like we have our, only ourselves to blame for this misrepresentation of God. And I think at times, like Christians, for the sake of teaching or catechesis, um, have tried to say things about God that really aren't that reliable, or some are just like demonstratively false. Well, that really weakens our position. So then those in society who are skeptical, well, it's not going to take them much to say, see, I knew it. There's no God. You can't prove God via science. And so, like those two ideas where Christians have misrepresented God, and then there's this idea of where, where God is inserted into the things that science doesn't understand. And so those have really been, uh, like, detrimental to uh, the Catholic Church and, like, evangelization of, like, the secular culture, especially, like, our universities, Let's uh, talk a little bit, Adam, about how does a loss of God in a society contribute to a misunderstanding of virtue? Sure. Well, before I can answer the question, I, I think I'll explain just a little bit about what virtue is. And so, you know, the, the Catholic understanding of virtue and even the ancient Greek understanding of virtue was it was particular choices that human made, that humans made, and they were they're always concerned with the state of character of someone. And so if it's a choice concerned with the character of who we are, and then one decides that they're not going to believe in God, well then there's really no there's no reason that they should try to 
assent to a certain level of character in themselves. Uh, the loss of God or the thought that God doesn't exist allows one uh, this freedom to simply say, I'll do whatever I want, because there's, there's no, you know, there's no uh, principle controlling the universe. Um, there's, there's simply like no destiny, if you will. And so that's where virtue has been attacked, because, you know, people will say, well, I don't believe in God. You can, but I'm not. It's kind of a relativistic view. And what this relativism leads to then is we have lost even in Catholic culture, any idea of what the virtues are. Um, we don't have an idea that in order to be an excellent man or an excellent woman, it requires that our character ascends to a certain idea. And if we don't believe in that idea because we don't believe in God, then we lose the idea and therefore virtue is lost. And Adam, why is it critical for Catholics to understand virtue? Well, as I said in the kind of the beginning of the hour, um, when we, especially like in a season of Advent or Lent, um, by reflecting on the virtues, it actually helps us to examine our conscience, and it should show us where we're deficient in some areas. Um, so one of the, one of the, you know, the, um, the principles of, of humans, of man, is to, like, possess reason and then exercise it and then be obedient to his reason. And that's what separates humans from other animals or other, you know, created things. You know, the rabbit doesn't reflect on his life and say, you know, I need to be a better rabbit. But humans do or at least we should. And so when we understand virtue, it allows us to be more perfect versions of ourselves, and then we are able to do God's will more perfectly. Um, and so I, I think like this loss of virtue or this, um, this idea of not knowing what it is, it really hurts Catholics, um, not just like in the confession, in the confessional, but in their prayer life, um, in their ability to discern. You know, a lot of people are asking, especially young people, like, what, what, I, what should I do with my life? You know, what is God wanting me to do? By striving to be virtuous people and understanding how virtue works, um, it, will, it will help us better to understand um, what God wants. Um, because virtue means to do something excellently. When we're virtuous people, um, yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was pretty much... Uh, finishing up there is I, I just think that we need to uh, we need to we need to rediscover I think all of us do we need to rediscover um, what it means to be virtuous people and to know the virtues um, and then also to um, to like to know the vices that accompany them um, something that's really been powerful in my life in the last I don't know probably year year and a half is like really reflecting on the seven deadly sins. And for all the listeners, um, I really encourage you to uh, study and learn about this, the seven deadly sins, usually vanity, lust, anger, covetousness, envy, sloth, and gluttony. 
but also, you know, but not to despair in them, but also to, to, to research and study the seven virtues. You know, we have three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love or charity. And then we have the cardinal virtues of prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. And by, by understanding the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues, the heavenly virtues, we are, we're really able to make strides in the spiritual life. Um, but as I said, we live in a society that has lost sight of God so it doesn't believe there's anything to improve upon because there, there's, it's lost its meaning, which is why the loss of God is so significant. But when we understand like, who God is in his actual nature and essence, then we're able to come to recognize like, what, like, what he desires, which is who he is, and how we can ascend to that. Um, and that is via the virtues. Um, so they are, they are critical for the spiritual life. Um, and, you know, Catholic doctrine would say that the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, they're infused virtues at our baptism. Um, and so, like, you can't be a, a faithful person really without that grace of those virtues. Um, so they're just so critical to, uh, to living a holy life. And that's why I think... It's a pertinent topic for Advent um, since this is a season of contemplation and hopefully slowing down and self-reflecting on ourselves. Absolutely. I think uh, you really made some beautiful points there, Adam. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about the loss of God with seminarian Adam Urban. You're talking with um, Adam Urban this afternoon, who's a seminarian currently discerning the call to the diocesan priesthood for the Diocese of Dodge City and talking about the loss of God and prudence. And and, uh, Adam, we still have some time available here. So uh, another question, if virtue is not practiced, what are we doing and why do we do the things that we do? Well, we owe this we owe this answer really um, to our our friends, the ancient Greeks, which might sound strange to some of our Catholic listeners. But so much of the groundwork for even like Catholic and Christian thought um, was laid down uh, by the ancient Greeks, and they really reasoned through a lot of things, um, and and virtue was a really big key. But Aristotle would, would say that humans do everything to be happy. Um, like happiness is our drive. And I think this is really evident, not just to listeners, but um, to all of us. It, it resonates with us because we do things because we, we ultimately want to be happy. Um, we, want to be, we want to be fulfilled. And so the things that we do we think they will. They, we think that they will bring us happiness, um, and so, like Aristotle would say, there are there are four areas where humans are constantly looking for this happiness, but they're never really finding it. Uh, one would be would be pleasure, and this is you know just rampant in our society. 
we've never had higher rates of drug addiction, sex addiction, uh, pornography. Uh, people are overeating. And so just this, this desire for what will give me instant gratification, what will give me pleasure, you know, social media rises and things like this. Um, so people are looking for happiness in pleasure. And then people are looking for happiness in honor. People want to be honored. We want to be uh, esteemed. And, yeah, we want to – I mean, I think all of us desire some level of fame. And But you, people are looking for happiness there. Um, and then many are looking for happiness in money, which is really evident with this just this last week with Cyber Monday, Black Friday. Um, stores are opening earlier and earlier. Um, and there's just this sense of, like, we need stuff or we need money. Um, and then with our money, we want to buy things. And we don't just want to have it, but we want our money propels us to certain goods. Um, and then he would say the last area people are looking for happiness, which is far rarer today than it was back then, is, like, contemplation. Um, but we'll find this even now. There's a lot of apps that people will tell me about um, that they're like contempl uh, contemplation apps, but not necessarily religious. Um, so I think people are, are striving for happiness in those ways. But as noted, like all four of those ways, they're not including virtue, where if we live a virtuous life, what we'll find is we are really fulfilled far more than any of those four areas because the virtue will direct us. It directs us to God you know, who is all good and all virtuous himself. Um, but again, if there's no God, if there's a loss of God, well then, where is virtue pointing? It's probably pointing inward. Um, and so it, it's going to lead to like this self-absorption where I'm going to do something good because I can be better than my neighbor. Whereas like true virtue points us to the excellence of like loving God and worshiping God in the right way, which he has called us to. Well, some great points there, Adam. And uh, you talk about, yeah, always gathering stuff. That seems like a very common thing. And and while many people are doing that, it's a lot of people I talk to in the faith are really trying to get rid of the stuff and, and really yeah. kind of, you know, it's amazing because when we get rid of the stuff, we make room for more for God in our lives and, and create a better focus on Christ. Um, and some great uh discussion here this afternoon. You've given some great points about the loss of God and prudence. We still have some time left. Any any final thoughts or anything else that comes to mind that you weren't able to share up to this point? Well, I think maybe two quick points. Um, unfortunately, for, for not just Catholics, but for all humans, we can fall into sin without realizing it. Um, so like, I can be a very envious and greedy person without realizing that I'm an envious and greedy person. Or I can be a very impatient person without realizing that I'm an impatient person. But virtue is, is the opposite. So one, one really cannot be virtuous without knowing that they're virtuous. So I'm not going to, unfortunately, I'm not going to just fall into temperance, or I'm not going to fall into prudence, which is 
right judgment. The only way I'm going to get there is if I, if I know what it is and practice it, which might sound discouraging to some of our listeners because they might say, well, I don't know what the virtues are, so how am I going to assent to them? Um, and then my, my final message, which is hopefully a message of hope, is just that um, what we have that the, the Greeks who really laid this foundation didn't have was that, um, praise God, we have the grace of God. Um, and so without him, we can do nothing. And so it's by God's grace that he bestows on us these gifts. And so, you know, my hope is that we all can ask for these gifts during the Advent season, uh, that we can sit and we can really contemplate, like, how do I become a virtuous person? How do I become, um, like, more excellent so I can worship God in the right way? Um, and then we ask for his grace, um, which, you know, he, he gives to us in ways that we don't understand. Um, and so, yeah, that would be my, uh, my final message. And I guess thank you to all who have, who have listened and have supported Divine Mercy Radio. Um, it's always a joy to, to talk and, um, yeah, to try to, to try to help the Catholic cause in Kansas. Well, we appreciate that too, Adam. Now, we do have some time left. Do you mind? Can we talk a little bit about uh, your, your vocation path? Do you, do you mind if we take a few minutes on that? Sure. I, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's obviously, uh, you're an alum of Fort Hayes State University. You uh, spent a couple of years in Dodge City as director of youth ministry for the Diocese of Dodge City and uh, then entered the seminary. So kind of give us that timeline. Did you enter the seminary just this, this past fall? Yes, so I've been here since August. Mm-hmm. And are, are you at St. John Vianney? Is that what I'm understanding? Yes, I'm at St. John Vianney here, right here in the heart of Denver. Okay. Um, yeah, so, mm-hmm. so tell us maybe, if you don't mind, a little bit about that, that call, obviously, that discernment that happened. You were working uh, in the diocese, and, and where did that call when did it come to you? Sure. Um, well, it's really hard to pinpoint like a specific time, um, but I think it started really growing. Um, when I was actually in, in college at Fort Hayes, uh, during my sophomore year, um, just kind of this crazy chain of events, but I was asked to do a summer summer program called Prayer in Action, which you know, hopefully many of the listeners are uh, familiar with. You know, and Prayer in Action is this high school mission program in, in the Diocese of Kansas and, and other, other places in the country as well. But you, you work with high school students, and you're typically doing the, uh, the corporal works of mercy. Um, so you're working on people's homes and, uh, you know, just doing service projects like you would in a mission in a mission trip, but you're not going abroad. You know, you're doing it right in the backyard of, of your diocese in Kansas. And so I actually did prayer in action and helped, you know, get it going in the diocese of Dodge City, um, which is really a ca- kind of how I first became acquainted with the diocese. Um, and then I was very involved with Catholic Disciples, which is just like the, the Catholic college student group at Fort Hayes. So between those two things, um, I really developed like a relationship with the Lord, um, and I just had this experience like multiple times in prayer that the Lord was calling me to some other place than medicine, that I could be a doctor and I'd probably be very happy, um, but I didn't believe the Lord was calling me there. 
when I really sat sat with it. Um, so I decided it was a big move. I just like I decided I was gonna make the jump um, and not go to med school, and you know see where the Lord you know takes my life. Um, and so it was just a moment of grace, and like the Lord with patience, like directed me, I think, to Dodge City. Um, in my senior year, I, I heard about this uh, director of youth ministry position. And so when I graduated, I moved to Dodge City and uh, started as the director of youth ministry and really loved it. Um, it was like very fulfilling work. Um, and like the Lord just blessed me with working with great kids um, and great coworkers and just great priests. Um, and so as I was there, I just thought, man, like I think my gifts are, are pointing to uh, the priesthood because I knew I could do a lot of good um, just continuing in my job. Um, but I, I, I thought that the Lord was calling me um, to something deeper. Um, and so in both of those cases, in like deciding to, to forego med school and then deciding to go to the Diocese of Dodge City and then enter the seminary for the Diocese of Dodge City. Um, I loved everything that the Lord had given me, but I just sensed that he was calling me to something deeper. Um, so with his grace, and God willing, um, I applied, and now here I am. Um, so I have many people to, to thank and many priests to thank um, for that journey. So it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. So, um, how are things at uh, St. John Vianney? How's been? How's it been this first uh, semester for you? That's great. Um, St. John Vianney is a it's a fantastic seminary, um, and you know many of the dioceses of Kansas are are sending here because it's it's very good academically and spiritually, but of course it's very close. Um, so that that's very nice. Um, so typically, a guy is at the seminary between seven and nine years, uh, depending on his level of formation, uh, before he comes in. Um, so for those unfamiliar with like how a seminary is structured, typically the first two to three years, you're in philosophy classes. Um, so you're, you're kind of building a foundation. And then your final years, you're in theology. Um, so currently I'm in first philosophy. So I'd be like a baby seminarian. Um, compared to some of the other guys. Um, so just learning a lot, but it's a good community. Uh, St. John Vianney has about 80 to 85 guys. Um, so it's a pretty small seminary, um, but just very solid formation, um, both intellectually, spiritually, in the human area, and then um, just pastoral formation. Um, so guys, whether they become priests or not, you know, they leave you know, so much better than what they entered. So it's, it's a great place. And uh, how many seminarians right now in the, is there about seven or eight in the Dodge City Diocese? Yeah, so there are seven seminarians uh, for the Dodge City Diocese. Three of us are here, myself, John Stang, who's from Great Bend, and Austin Habish, who's from Great Bend. So, you know, that's kind of the Divine Mercy area there in Great Bend. Yeah. Um, and then we have four other guys, um, and they are at Conception Seminary in Missouri, um, so not too far either. Right. Uh, but they're still in college seminary, so that means they don't have their college degree just yet, so they're working on that. 
Um, and God willing, you know, they'll be uh, transferred over here. Right. Well, I, I want to mention, too, and, and I think John is probably the closest to diaconate ordination fairly soon, correct? Yes, John would be the closest. Yeah, and John, John's dad and I are friends and classmates. Uh, John's dad actually grew up in Victoria, and uh, of course is in Great Bend now as well. So, um, and I, you know, I, I was just excited to see when I, I had no idea. And uh, his dad Pat and his mom Kathy, they send me Christmas cards every year, and yes. then. It was one year I happened to open it up, and he was talking about John being in seminary, so I'm really excited for them and and uh, just uh, glad to see that uh, I know he's getting closer and closer. So uh, obviously our prayers for all of the seminarians. Um, is, well, I was just curious, too. Of course, your dad is, is a deacon here at, uh, at uh, St. Nicholas of Myra Parish, Steve. And, and so what uh, just um, I know that it was a positive thing, but how about your parents' reaction when you finally said, hey, I feel like I'm called to the seminary? What was, what kind of uh, reaction did they have? Yeah, I, think, I don't think it was too much of a surprise to my parents. Um, and they're very supportive, um, which is a, a huge blessing, because um, unfortunately I know a lot of guys who's, whose parents aren't supportive or whose family is not supportive. Um, so, yeah, my parents are very supportive and, um, yeah, really worked hard to uh, give my sister and I, like, a very good Catholic education. And, you know, they're probably listening now and uh, are still, like, very um, very much involved with, like, the Hayes community um, in the Salina Diocese. So I feel like I have, like, one foot in one diocese and one foot in the other. Right. Uh, sure. So it's just really, it's really beautiful. Um, but, yeah, super supportive. Um, and, and my you know, my family, my grandparents were all Catholic. Um, so I think that was a, you know, a big help. Um, just being kind of like raised in that Catholic culture. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big blessing. Um, and I really pray for parents that, you know, if their son or daughter decides to, to enter religious life or, um, you know, to discern a vocation, um, that they are supportive because, um, yeah, it's not an easy thing. Um, you know, a lot of us have given up um, a lot of a lot of other goods in our life, um, and it's all by grace. Um, so, yeah, but my parents are very supportive. All right. Well, Adam, any final thoughts? We appreciate you taking time with us. We'll keep you in prayer as you uh, move your way through the seminary, and uh, we're just excited for you. We're excited for your family, and and uh, we just uh, we pray for you, and we wish you all the best. Hey, well, thank you so much, Ken, and I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, know of my prayers for Divine Mercy Radio as well. All right. Thanks so much, Adam. Appreciate your time. All right. Thank you.